This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the fastest, easiest, most complete, and most user-friendly way to create your own professional website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS, you can get 10% off your first order, and if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name thrown in there. Go to squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. Hmm. Nick is satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's make some good content. It's April 6th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 257. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Hey guys. And I'm Jake Rodkin. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> you. True. Yeah. For completing the circle. This <sighs> weekend gaming, space shit. <laughs> I don't know if this conversation is going to have enough meat on it to be like worthwhile, but we'll, I guess we'll find out. <clears throat> Crazy shit apparently has been going down in the world of EVE Online, which is the crazy spaceship MMO made by CCP that is like notoriously boring if you don't really have anything <laughs> to, true, to do in it no i mean like I, I don't know i don't know if it is or not but it's like, pretty boring the, <laughs> the sense i get is that if you don't have like a a sort of reason to exist in the game like some, something like, to, like life work towards or whatever <laughs> um you kind of just sort of it's not it's not like life i don't think i mean i feel like <laughs> eve is increasingly like Eve aesthetically presents as a fun space game. The right. actual purpose of Eve is to just be conniving and destroy each other in some sort of weird thing. If the like a stock exchange, a Wall Street stock exchange, looked from the outside like Tomorrowland at Disneyland. So you're like, wow, look at that. It's amazing. And then you walk in and go, ah, uh, I think that people are just... And then you realize, oh my God, this is just the craziest fucking shit. Yeah, in the then entire- like three levels underground yeah. is... The final level, though, is really just like, you know, the D-Day shot of all of the, you know, landing craft hitting the beach and then you getting out of the the landing craft (laughs) and immediately dying because that's that's the that's the actual experience of playing a battle in Eve. It's not it's just like, oh, wow, these ships are like coordinating and like I was watching a video and he narrated like an like an Attenborough documentary or something. (laughs) And it was, you know, just like thousands and thousands of ships mm-hmm. and like all of their the firepower and everything and like huge formations. And he highlighted like individual alliances. And even those were like relatively small clusters relative to like the an insane scale of the total mega battle being fought. And he was like, you could be one of these ships. Like, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> like oh, that's, that's weird. the last thing I'd want to ever hear. <laughs> we should talk about why we're talking about. Yeah, yeah we should okay, actually. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So something, something happened, happened in it. Yeah. Nick, do you have any like ability to well, sort of summarize what has been going on? I realized while reading Nick, about 10 it. 10 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, kind of. The, so like when I was playing this game. Um, Which was I, in the like mid to early mid like 2007. Oh, okay. Ago. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. God. Uh, I embedded essentially into um, the... the uh, in 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 Eve, they're not called like guilds; they're called corporations. So I was like embedded in like the Goon Swarm Corporation, which was an offshoot of the Something Awful Forums, um, which you know at the time was kind of this like scrappy upstart thing, um, and then has since become like this enormous like mega. So I didn't realize reading about this that they've since like transformed several times. Like they're no longer Goon Swarm now. They're, they well, they went they went from goon swarm like to like this small component of this like it went from like goon swarm corporation to like goon swarm alliance well, yes, to that like was the, the CFC like the, the CFC I think coalition, is yeah which then rebranded as into its current so you know form, what this the Imperium, is yeah which is like a major power in the world of this Eden. is so the, I think the way that this works from what I observed back then is that it's just a bunch of people kind of jazzing themselves up to play Eve. <laughs> And they, they can they can kind of do it for like a year and, and, and you know, pretend that it's going to be exciting. And then when they realize that it's actually, you know, there's like the one big battle. And then what, how do you like that's that's what we're here for. We did it. 
uh, and then they just stop playing, and then they come back, and when they come back, they're they rebrand themselves. Yeah, although there are clearly figures <clears throat> who have persisted. Like the reason well, I asked you to explain the Wolf this of Wall Street. is because yeah, you, you <laughs> of Eve. Uh, so when Nick and I worked at Shack News together, which was a you know a, just a video game website, um, Nick wrote this amazing what pair of articles? I think it was two pieces. It was like, or four, oh, three, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. It was a series about a few of them are lost. Eve online. Oh, it's a yeah. bummer. Yeah. So the when Nick was saying he embedded, uh, he, he like re- did these incredibly well reported and really gripping pieces uh, about like the crazy diplomacy and intrigue and espionage of uh, Eve online um, corporations and alliances, uh, mainly like centering on Goonfleet. Yeah, and it was or Goon Swarm or whatever the whichever they have like Goon, Goon Waffa and like yeah, all these different Goon Fleet really is confusing. was the sort of okay. you know so um, organizing the, uh, hierarchy yeah, yeah and the like central figure in one of the pieces you did who was a central figure in in the Goon whatever also mm-hmm. was this guy the Matani yeah who apparently is still a really central figure. Yeah. In all of this stuff, well, which is crazy to read. He's had a weird... So, I mean, like, after that period of time, he had enough articles written about him that he kind of became a sort of mini-celebrity, like, Eve celebrity, to yeah. the to the extent that I think... Um, well, I know that CCP, the uh, developers of this game, um, made him kind of the official community point of contact. Um, so, he had, like, an official mm. role within the sort of Eve... Um, development community and uh, and then like promptly lost to that role <laughs> because he did something stupid at one of their events anyway this guy is just sort of fluctuated between being right. like the coolest guy in the Eve sphere and the lamest guy and right now he's he seems to be the lamest guy uh, yeah. <laughs> at the t- right now. I, it, so like from what I can understand um, you know the Imperium which is yeah the sort of new version of, of, of Goonfleet uh, is just about to be destroyed by this weird uh, alliance of of other fleets. But the the way that it got to this point is the interesting aspect of it, where, where yeah. like, apparently, so, like, yeah, the, the people are just pissed off that the Mitanni is... I guess, I guess he had, like, a failed Kickstarter to write a novel about Eve yeah, to okay. promote to the Imperium. So, okay, so what and it then- was, there was, like, <laughs> CCP was backing a Kickstarter for someone to write a book about the history of this like incredible war that happened in Eve online. But it turns out that the book was going to be published by the Matani press, which was owned by this guy, the Matani obviously. And a lot of Eve players were extremely mad about this because the obvious implication of this is like, oh, this book is going to be extremely sympathetic to like the victors of this war, yeah. and not yeah. to like. Oh no, the history history yeah. is written by yeah. the Mitanni in yeah. this case. He's <laughs> and so written like, completely. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. there was a huge backlash, and the the losers of this war. One of the major losers of this war were Test Alliance. Please ignore. Which yeah. was a Reddit alliance yeah. that was, I think, basically disintegrated as a result of this conflict. What a good name! But it's though. yeah, I know. But it's uh, its members are you know still like there's like a diaspora of them still in the game, and I I think the backlash to this Kickstarter caught like caused the Kickstarter to fail and like set in motion all of these like feelings of betrayal and frustration that led to this po- is but, that possibly- but then on top of that yeah uh there's this website apparently called i want isk which is the isk is the currency in eve and if you don't know uh you can actually um well i guess this is true of, of many mmos at this well, point isk but to dollars has a isk to has dollars a- is real because yeah. you can buy time cards to play eve using isk and so people use time cards as a way to essentially like sell off their isk it's and the turn them into dollars right, right? Yeah. um and that it was sort of the first uh online game where this was happening um as just a matter of course like people were people were essentially funding their their uh subscription fee by playing the game well you know and, and making a ton of but money the thing with i want isk is but, that it has slot machines yes right? so i want isk is, a, is is essentially just a gambling site and apparently um apparently one of the guys that runs that um I guess like got in some kind of just dramatic tiff with a goon fleet dude uh, and, and hired some people to go out and just tr- like assassinate this guy. <laughs> 
for an, for an amount of like a crazy amount of money. Yeah, uh, which then I guess just spiraled into a full on like proxy war. <laughs> like that, they're yeah. now just this gambling site is now just funding a war against. Yeah, I for the Mitanni I think, for I which, think the equivalent of like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm really loving all this stuff because because Goonfleet started off as Goonfleet, then renamed themselves the Imperium. And now there's this weird rebel coalition fighting them. It has echoes of Star Wars, but it is the most capitalistic, bankrolled, insane, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, like, weird libertarian space nightmare version yes. of Star Wars. I was when I was oh, reading, it's, it's really delicious. When to I me. was reading some of this stuff, I was just thinking about like how much the the thing that is kind of amazing about this universe is that it is kind of self-regulating in the sense that like, no, but (laughs) not the end of my, in the way that reality should be. (laughs) No, I mean like in a way that you could imagine reality would be in the sense that like extreme power eventually is toppled because of like, you know, disgruntled people and like coalitions and so on, except that to get to those points just always requires insane, like loss of life and property and like it's faith true. and like I mean it's just the most destructive possible way yep. to I mean, actually <laughs> regulate a society yeah. but it, I mean it technically works in like a fantasy world where it doesn't really matter if $20,000 worth of fake s- spaceships right. but, blow up but like yeah, I, it actually made me think a lot about like extreme libertarianism and like you know it's, super it's, unregulated it's the version economies. of Star Wars though that is that is conveniently cut out of Star Wars where Princess Leia doesn't have to be like well, we bought these battle cruisers because this one <laughs> hut was really fucking pissed that the Empire squished his shit and he's paying for this ship. Anyway, we're going to have to fucking give those guys a planet once we blow up the Death Star. Like, that is not mentioned in Star Wars, but it's got to be a part of it. Cause That's what they tried to mention in Star Wars Episode One. Yeah, not That's quite, true, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I, sort of. They should have just the Goon Fleet Trade Federation. Yeah, copied all this shit from Eve. Copied, pasted out of yeah. embedded Eve articles. Could have been the good Star Wars uh, prequels. Yeah, it's this would actually I feel like that would be a totally there would be a way to, I think, probably script this stuff in the style of a show like the Battlestar Galactica remake or something like you could probably make a super cut through because we have stuff like House of Cards now, um, which is not obviously on the like about economics in the same way, but it's like nor is it in space. No, nor is it in space. (laughs) But I just mean it's a very like. Not this season. Cutthroat, no. But the show has been a sort of very cutthroat, like, horse trading, like, individual betrayals and alliances. Like, you could make something of, like, galactic scale, again, like, on the sort of budgetary realm of something like Battlestar Galactica. And I think it would probably work. Like, it would be a crazy, interesting thing to attempt. I mean, most of the drama occurs outside of the game, you know, like on forums and through all these channels. So what you do is just take all of that. Right. And that's your script for, like, all of the scenes in which it's just people in a weird room, you know, discussing. We had to buy the rights to all of these people's story and likenesses, and we had to pay them an isk (laughs) to make our our Netflix original uh, Eve (laughs) teledrama. Right. Called I Want Isk. (laughs) Season and one, episode one. I want isk. <laughs> Season one, episode two. They don't test change, alliance. They don't please ignore. <laughs> they don't change any of the names. So the clusterfuck alliance, plus test alliance. Please ignore clusterfuck coalition. <laughs> yeah, it's anyway. It's it's a it's a weird fucking thing. I'm this yeah. this version. Like it feels like Nick to what you're saying about Eve. Like sort of destroying and rebuilding itself over and over again. It 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 does that, but the cycle is not uh, a pure loop because the escalation does seem to happen every single time. Oh yeah, like this well, one. All of the me- all of these shared memories also they accrete. Like they right. all they all stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like th- well, yeah. Like, they're, the, they're always the Russians. They may be under a different name. The, yeah. The, but I, they're always there I and they're always a presence. The, it's the, true. The Imperium is yeah. this huge group. But uh, Polygon wrote an article about this that uh, that we read before recording this, and the thing that I love is the people who are against the Imperium disparagingly refer to them as the goons still. We're like, oh, those goons, just go- <laughs> I don't want goons telling me what to do, fucking goons. And, like, they self-identified as Goon Fleet a decade ago, and now they have this hilarious, slick, clearly sarcastic branding. Yeah. Uh, but they're, like, <laughs> and people, there's also- people remember the old names. 
Did you see the photo of the weird space pope? Yes. Like the weird, yeah. like forty-five-year-old balding man. There's a with, weird. Like, there's a cosplayer. Like, there's an Eve cosplayer <laughs> who plays basically a religious deity. Who, yeah, who yeah. the Imperium has now Isn't sort of it, like. He goes by the name I think Maximilian Singularity the Sixth, first of his name. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the, the Imperium has de- has decided that he is actually their religious deity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's continuing to grow. Uh, it but it does it does feel like uh, like Eve is this weird cordoned off space like a, a window into an actual galaxy of of existence that or that exists out there. But it, it, it well it is also just that it, it feels so strange that in the internet there is this weird sort of sphere that contains all of infinite space in it, and it is just the place that people go to pretend to do all this weird space yeah. shit. I don't know, you know how to, the, how to well, you know say what I'm weird... saying exactly, but yeah. like, it's just... It's, 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 like, a, it's yeah. like an entire... It's like if an entire civilization, a galaxy's worth of civilizations, evolved without ever evolving notions of, like, propriety or, like, sort of just <laughs> well, interpersonal, like... I don't know, though. I think that, I think one aspect of this that doesn't get talked about very much is that when you're actually playing the game and participating in this stuff, you're very aware that you're kind of like deliberately creating story out right. of this. Yeah. And I think when people report on this stuff, they go, oh, the people were just playing this game and this crazy story came out of it. But actually, like, the Matani knows exactly what he's right. doing when he's yeah, making yeah, yeah. all these moves, even down to just the guy who's like on a patrol through like a weird sector or whatever, and he's doing it because it's just this weird tiny tiny piece of this yeah, there's a, enormous there's a role playing element to the meta game it's it's very yeah. lar- it's 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 kind of larpy in a way because it's it really <laughs> does feel like you're just right. kind of playing a role within this greater thing that is just going to end up being a weird dumb story on polygon which is fine like it's cool it's, so it, that is that i totally buy that and like that makes complete sense the one like wrinkle in that <clears> that i think m- is the makes it just over the line from being pure sort of LARP style role play that makes it, um, that gives it the like traction that to someone on the outside of it can still get sort of invested is the, is when you read about the Mm, actual value of real dollars, not because that is like the only thing that matters, but because there are in fact stakes. It's high stakes LARPing. Yeah. And and like the the fact that I can read a story that's like, Oh, and anyway, like this war is running in the neighborhood of like $21,000 of damage (laughs) currently. And it's probably going to become the biggest war ever. So that's going to go up more, like a lot more than that is like, Oh man. Okay. So all these people who are like carefully constructing this like artifice, they also still really want to win because there is like, actually something on the line and i find that like the weird confluence of those two things that yeah. just like the, the sort of triangle of like real money stakes like incredibly uh like a high level of artifice and like pageantry and then just total bullshit nonsense <laughs> like those three things create like an amazing right mixture yeah the, yeah. the, the collision of all of that stuff is what makes it yeah. really fascinating but i it's true, like the fact that there are people deliberately steering towards these collisions for oh, yeah. the sake of for just sure. like savoring it is what makes it happen. good. Like, oh, yeah. it can't just be like I mean, it's, a well run. But yeah. it is also like people who just spend tons and tons of dollars on a car to then race it. Yes, you know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. Or maybe to crash them into each other. You know, like right. But the fact that they can crash is what may- it gives yes. it the weight. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like someone might win, or you might lose, or your car might spin out and explosions yeah. will happen, and an ambulance shows up or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think. Probably a lot of that is credit. You could credit a lot of that to the to the you know the goons in general. I think that's kind of their mo, and I think they've just made this game really interesting because of that. Like they yeah. they they start a lot of shit, and they know full well that they're going to lose. You know, and that's that's <laughs> ju- they're doing it just to do it and see what happens. And oh, the, the thing that I was that I was reaching for earlier about this being a sort of weird little pocket world uh, where people fight each other is the thing that is that I find perpetually interesting about. Uh, who is fighting who is that like I it's the goons have been involved forever the same way that sort of something awful forums has forever been involved in weird internet culture but I like that Eve is this galactic battle between things that map to a very strange combination (laughs) of huge internet communities and then actual uh, geographic communities where like goon swarm has been in there but now like all the enemies of the Imperium who are, who is, who is still like has roots in something awful. It's the 
r slash eve subreddit is the like the rebellion in this case uh who are bankrolled (laughs) by that by so like I, I like I like that element yeah. to it quite a lot. That mm-hmm. there is a virtual entire pocket galaxy that is just a galactic space battle that Man. at one point was something awful versus the Russians. God, and now it is something awful's like vestiges that have turned into a crazy corporate conglomerate versus Reddit. Like, <laughs> like what? I mean, it's fucking brand wars. I was just yeah. gonna say it was brand, it's brand wars. It's totally brand it wars. Is, but wait until Domino's gets in on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it, it is, but it's not because it's just it, oh, it's it's yeah because it's totally decentralized. It's yeah, not, yeah. Oh, it's it's such a strange, weird thing that it then just maps into an actual space battle. It's like the opposite of the last Starfighter or something. Where instead, yeah. it's not that it's not people playing a video game to then control something in real life. It's actually just like a weird triple inception into a fake thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that's that actually makes it map more cleanly to like 80s and 90s era cyberpunk visions of what yeah. all this stuff would be in the sense that it's like these these are bottom up communities yeah. of elite hacker. But in the 80s or who, 90s version, there'd be a strange like an outside government guy watching someone's computer terminal. Like he'd be like guy with three sunglasses and two scarves and like ripped jeans leaning back and presses a button and you hear and he's like I just cost someone twenty thousand dollars. That's, that's just the Matani. That's true. <laughs> that's, <laughs> he would be called the Matani. Yeah, he would 90s, be called the Matani. Uh, yeah, like yeah. in some old Law and Order episode or something. Yeah, <laughs> Murder She Wrote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the name of uh, his book. <laughs> Yeah, Murder he wrote. This all ends with the Matani <laughs> yeah. closing, succeeding in his Kickstarter, closing his history, and it says "Murder she wrote." <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, strange, good thing. Yeah, what a bad dumb piece of shit. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm really glad it exists. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, and also, uh, we might as well mention this. So, Andrew Gruen, who was the co-host of Esports Today, along with Rob Zachney, which, you know, that podcast, unfortunately, is, like, on, you know, like, indefinite hiatus, and, you know, who knows, which is a bummer. But uh, Andrew is publishing a book about the uh, early history of, uh, or not, actually, I don't know if it's early or not. I read an excerpt from the early history of Goon, Goon, Goon whatever, Swarm. But he is publishing a book about, like, the great battles of Eve. And that, I think, is coming out really soon. Yeah. Does anyone anyone know? I don't know the date. I don't. Yeah. But yeah. that's a really that's a really cool thing. And uh, if you want additional reading material about this, you should find Nick's old um, pieces, his old series from Shack News. If you search for Shack News, which if you don't know that website is S H A C K N E W S, Shack News, Nick Brecken, Eve, and I'm sure you'll you'll, you'll find, find them. Some stuff. Yeah. It's really really cool. It's like the really great pieces. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome, Nick. Um, if you search for Shack News Chris or Chris Ramo Barbecue, you might find a really good old article. What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you oh, remember that, you? Nick? Uh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I don't know what this is. It's fine. <laughs> well, that's, that's just, just disconcerting. <laughs> you wrote some article about like the various heads of different console manufacturing companies all having a barbecue together. Oh, my together. God. <laughs> Jesus, what a stupid piece of shit. It was, like a, it was in script format, right? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, script yeah. format. It's really good. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, really I remember good. you were like, if Shaq News won't publish this, I'll put it on Idle Thumbs. <laughs> and I was really hoping they wouldn't publish it so I could have it. <laughs> right. um, so I do want to talk about VR stuff for a minute mm-hmm. because uh, sure. this week, the uh, well, it seems like we're in sort of like the domino effect of people actually shipping VR equipment is happening right now because yeah. Oculus Rifts are going out. But also Steam VR went up, uh, is like appearing this week. Um but the sort of surprise appearance in the Steam VR store that has made me the most happy is like Steam VR store popped up today. We're recording this on Tuesday. And uh, the thing that is surprising the shit out of everyone that has appeared is IKEA has published a Steam VR game on Steam what? called like the IKEA Kitchen Experience or something like oh, that. Oh, God. What? And it is basically you can experience and customize an ikea kitchen in vive in a vive room and change all the different like countertop materials you can open and close all of the cupboards and you can experience it as an adult or at the height of a child to see if your (laughs) your kitchen is family safe amazing yes what that's so cool (laughs) yeah so i that is i don't need i we just moved recently we're already done with our kitchen so that's not useful to me in a practical sense but i would still rather play that than a lot of the things i've seen in vr (laughs) i know so i feel like 
just this morning, people seem to be noticing this, or maybe yesterday, uh, and sort of like, what? Huh? I feel like Ikea might have accidentally put out, like, they might have hit, like, the exact sweet spot in the heart of this, where it's like, what does the Steam audience like? They like driving Weird a fucking big rig truck across the country for days, or like, yeah, <laughs> moving things around. What, like, I don't know. It feels like IKEA room simulator slash browsing. Did they call it Kitchen Simulator Twenty Six? No, they fucked up. I don't oh. remember. What, they called it something very generic and yeah. sort of like, like not in a good way. I mean, I think they called it like one of the correct things uh, for Steam people. Uh, but uh, man, what is that stupid thing called? Uh, if I just search for IKEA VR. That, by the way, IKEA VR autocompletes to IKEA Vreta Sofa. <laughs> oh, it's called IKEA VR Experience, and the the Steam art is totally like a Steam Simulator game artwork thing because it's basically it's a picture of an IKEA kitchen that then fades into being a sick like glowing oh, blue grid. But yep. just oh, eighty eight percent positive reviews on Steam. Oh, yeah, it just it it. I don't know. I, I love that just out of the middle of nowhere, they're like, what do you guys really want? Yeah, okay, EVR cockpits, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Right. What yeah, Steam yeah. audience actually wants is just an incredibly detailed, fully articulated virtual kitchen <laughs> that they can change the countertops on and right. then also see if their kitchen is child safe. God. Yeah, <laughs> like, meanwhile, really meanwhile, good. cut to their actual kitchen, which is just like piles just of plates and just like Taco Bell like wrappers 80s everywhere. fake just, hardwood yeah, laminate. Yeah, just like yeah. not even, oh, it's just, whoa, this kitchen's really nice. <laughs> Oh, oh man, no. the best be like use vibe. I set up my vibe in my kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 use, yeah. use the vibe to scan your kitchen, <laughs> and then IKEA VR kitchen replaces all of God. it only in VR with a perfect IKEA version. Right. Like, okay, this we found the handles on your sink and put given you the IKEA version where the dials match up, so you can just wear the vibe in your kitchen. Well, when do they and do pretend that? you're in an amazing they, just for your living you have, room? You have, and a then, friend, you have a friend over for day. You have a, you know your friends over for dinner. They look and beautiful. Like, I've been really. really Modeling my is my kitchen is Here, really beautiful. On. You bring them in, it's just, just like rat's nest of garbage. Before oh, your friends please. come into your apartment, you make them all put vibes on. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice in here now. <laughs> uh yeah. I, is I the rest know. of your house just a void? Yes. Like, the rest of your house. <laughs> Sorry, IKEA hasn't made a vibe for this yet. Yeah. Uh, well, the rest of your house is a spaceship. But it also is really it's also, I mean, I think the other thing that people talked about immediately when the IKEA VR kitchen thing showed up is that scene in Fight Club when he walks through his uh, yeah. house and it turns oh into an God. IKEA catalog. Oh. Uh, which immediately made me think that what I hope the IKEA VR experience actually is doing is you you build this kitchen and then when you take you take it off an Alt F4 out and then the next time you open it up that kitchen is just on fire uh, and your apartment <laughs> has been trashed and exploded and right. then you are like inducted into a weird secret right. underground fight when you club. have the VR headset on you're Tyler Durden maybe when you have it off you're not yes <laughs> maybe IKEA VR experience is Frog Fractions too. <laughs> If you just started finding weird shit in your kitchen God. after like two weeks, you, <laughs> you open a drawer and just a pencil rolls down and you're like that was not there before. Then you close the door, the drawer, and open it again, and nothing is in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's sort of it's very slow, a slow yeah. burn. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, man. Like if if I if IKEA VR experience is like a desert golf situation, except that somewhere at the end there is actually just a right. weird thing. Yeah. You open up the uh, that drawer three weeks later, and the entirety of Eve Online is inside of it, basically. <laughs> Stick, yeah. your, stick your head in there and just, just see the, it. Just the end of Men in Black. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. Or just your IKEA VR kitchen peels away and is just basically the right. inside of Aperture Sciences or something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, I was, I was really happy that that just... Oh, it's so good that it's just on the Steam store and it, like it's outside yep. of the game press. There's no talking about this. Then like Valve goes, "Hey, the Steam Steam VR store is live. Hey, everyone. Hey, what? 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 <laughs> IKEA has <laughs> just secretly has this, like a yeah. Steamworks account that has been like publishing a thing in Valve's backend this whole time. Oh, it's really good. I'm really pleased. I yeah, have no idea. No, that's great. Yeah. So, I guess you have a reason to get a Vive now, Chris. Yeah, I do. Apparently, I <laughs> the IKEA VR experience. Uh, requires a play area of at least 2.5 meters by 1.5 meters. Of course, it's in meters. Yeah. So. Pretty cool. Cool. It's too bad they didn't give the IKEA VR experience an IKEA product name also. That was a failure on their part. <laughs> but oh Just well. some, like, 
unintelligible, some, some yeah. unintelligible fake Swedish name. Yeah. 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 Oh well, it's okay. Yeah. That's all I have to say about the IKEA VR experience. All right, pretty good. I'm glad that when you said we have to talk about VR, it was like yeah, it was, furniture yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, you want to take a break? Yeah, I guess we should. Yep. Cool. Oh, I wonder if you could build furniture that you can't. I hope that's next. Oh, Maybe man. they'll keep adding up. Maybe IKEA VR Experience 2017. It'll be from the makers of Fantastic Contraption and that un- horrible. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the uh, what was it called? The one, the furniture assembly game. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Break. I have nothing to say. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper mattresses are made in the United States of America and sold to you for a shockingly fair price. They arrive at your home or whatever other address in a little box that explodes out with a mattress inside. And it's pretty hilarious and good. And then you have a really nice mattress to sleep on. They're very comfortable. Um, Casper mattresses are great. If you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the code THUMBS, you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase on the website. An already super affordable mattress, like yes. ridiculous. Also, don't they let you keep those for like 100 days? Is that yeah. the number of days? I've heard about Casper mattresses before. That is, the num- that is the number of days you have to try your Casper mattress to determine how happy you are with it. And if you are not happy enough, you can return it. They'll pick it back up. You probably won't need to, but that is what they offer you. Um, mattresses start at $500 for a twin size mattress and 950 for a king size mattress. You got $50 towards that by going to casper.com slash thumbs and using the promo code thumbs. And, uh, they got pillows up there now too. So you get all, all your bed stuff. Casper.com slash thumbs with the promo code thumbs. Get all your bed stuff. Get all your bed stuff. Thanks Casper. Get that stuff. Coming soon, Casper VR. (laughs) (laughs) Where you can sit on your couch and (laughs) watch a box explode. You can use a box to kill a man. The shirt would be like Casper and Harry's and whatever and Nature Box and then you also have a pair of boxer shorts that says and me undies. This week's episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest, easiest, most user-friendly, most complete and versatile way to make your very own professional website, portfolio, blog, or online store without any need to know how to code websites or design them or anything. You pick all your stuff, you drag and drop it around. It's a really great and straightforward way to make a website. And if you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS, you can get 10% off your first order. And if you sign up for a year, they will throw in a domain name as well. You can get started without putting in a credit card or anything. Just You can immediately get going and uh, start putting your website together. And then when you're ready to check out, use the promo code THUMBS. So we have this week another example of a website made on Squarespace using our thumbs promo code. This is from Danny Gallagher, who wrote in with a longer email that I will read in the uh, the reader mail section, but he mentions his website for his small indie studio. If you go to houseofwire.co, there's a free Oculus Rift thing up on there, and then a, uh, a $5 game called Trawl, and uh, some other stuff, and it's pretty cool, and it works on my mobile phone right now and I'm looking at it. You can find it at houseofwire.co made with Squarespace. Uh, If you would like to make your own Squarespace, if you would like to to rip off uh, these people's websites, uh, you can go to squarespace.com and use the promo code thumbs to get 10% off your first order and a free domain name if you buy it for a year. Squarespace is cool. Get in on that. Squarespace, get in on that. Get in on that. New slogan, officially declared. Video games. We're back, I think. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. So I've been playing or trying to play Hyperlight Drifter, which Nick, I know you have as well. I'm also trying to play. <laughs> yeah. 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 This game is hard, like to a degree that I did not expect. No, didn't expect it at all, actually. Yeah. 
Um, I actually didn't even know what this game was. I, I knew of it, and I knew it looked cool. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't actually know. I, I think I basically knew it was sort of like a Zelda. Well, I, I thought it was more of an action thing, actually. I mean, I, I the, the, basically the degree to which it is a Zelda game, I did not expect. That was, yeah. the, that was okay. the aspect that, that okay. surprised me, actually. I, see. I didn't realize there would be like a map, for instance. Right, okay. I thought it was a sort of straightforward, linear, kind of oh. slashy kind of thing. All right. Which it is to some extent, but, but there are these... Yeah, like yeah, Zelda. Yeah, there's a large overworld. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's got sort of dungeony things mm-hmm. that are like Zelda. Yeah. Yep. Um. So this this is a, a cool game that I mean it it looks really cool. It was made in in Game Maker, which is it's always shocking to me. Yeah. When I see a game that feels like a full scale game. Yep. And then I learned it was made in Game yeah. Maker. It's ridiculous what people do with the various game creation tools at this point. Um. I got totally owned when I first tried to play this game because we spent a week. We spent last week cat sitting at Jake's apartment, so we were not at our own home. And I logged into my own Steam account on his computer there. Sorry, Jake, mm. and uh, downloaded Hyperlight Drifter and started playing it. And then when I got back home to my own apartment, I realized that the game does not support Steam mm. cloud saves. Um, so I totally owned myself and had to start over. What you need to do is just put on your VR headset uh, <laughs> that syncs to Jake's living room. And then play Hyperlight Drifter from Jake's living room. <laughs> is that is that how the, is that how VR works? I mean, that's how it should work. Yeah, I think. that's probably true. Yeah. Um. So this game, you know, like we were saying, is, is essentially a Zelda-like game. It's like a top-down action ex- adventure thing, but it's just really, really hard. Yeah. Um. I th- I think I might be stuck. I'm on a boss battle I'm definitely now. Definitely stuck. I'm not yeah. even on a boss battle. It's yeah. just a bad room. Like I'm just getting wrecked over and over again. I was stuck on a on a bad room at one point because the the game checks point saves you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at it, certain when you make a certain amount of progress, but it's it checkpoint saves you with the amount of like yeah. health and healing yeah. that you had when you died. Mm-hmm. So I I had a an experience where I was heading into a room with like eight enemies which in this you know th- these are not like churn through them enemies you have to be really careful about not getting hit and uh i had exactly one hit point left and no healing left mm. so it was one shot kill it probably took me an hour yeah. of dying and restarting from that same checkpoint to beat it. it felt like a, it just turned into a new version of the game which was just oh this is just a permadeath one hit kill game where you have to play it 100% perfectly can't make a single mistake yeah and that's just the situation i'm in now the end it was fucking bananas by the time i beat it i felt like a a, a champion lord yeah um it you were, was you were a hyperlight drifter yeah i totally i totally earned that but then I, I eventually... Or so some I, kind of drifter. So I was some kind of drifter. <laughs> just, I eventually completed that and then got through the rest of the dungeon. Now I'm just like stuck on this crazy boss battle and I don't think I'm ever going to beat it. Yeah. And uh, It's really hard. It's really I, hard. Yeah, I don't play Souls games, but I'm getting the experience of that, I think, playing this game. Mm. You know? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. Which is funny because when I started playing the game, it sort of felt to me like to... Zelda what Fez was to like Mario or another mm. side-scrolling platformer because I mean it has a soundtrack by Disasterpiece which actually sounds very much like the Fez soundtrack and there's a lot of sort of obscurity in this game there's like char- language like linguistic characters you can't read and not really there's no real dialogue yeah things are generally not explained <clears throat> like there are menus that I just don't really know what they do um, like there are things where sometimes a screen will pop up and it'll say a to confirm X to cancel. But as far as I can tell, like they both just do the same thing. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure that's not actually true, but I'm just not sure what's going on. Uh, and then there are like things you collect where you like can collect four of a thing and then something happens. But like, I've done it three times and I'm not sure what is happening or like if I'm working towards something, like there's just a lot of like clearly intentional yeah. obscurity in the game in a way that reminds me of Fez in the sense that that game, you kind of just have to keep playing it. And then eventually you can start to like translate the language and, and all this other stuff. I don't know if any of that stuff was in Hyperlight Drifter, but it, it feels very like some intentionally form of that is there, yeah. of, in the way the world is presented. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the story, I don't know what the, if this game has a plot, if it does what the plot is, like what my character is. Or, or anything at all and I, I that part I kind of like I sort of like how weird and and at sea I feel 
but oh my god it's just impossible like it's yeah. so I mean, i'm sure for some people it's not you know i'm sure there oh, are yeah. people who are just like you idiot babies um but as an idiot baby it's for me it's hard yep yeah i'm an idiot baby too chris it's fine yeah look at us nick <laughs> yeah reduced <laughs> yeah reduced to idiot babies i was already there <laughs> <laughs> you've long been idiot baby yeah at least when it comes to these games, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I've always been an idiot baby when it comes to this stuff. Like, like I can't, what? I can't like play Souls game? games. Like, I can't, I just uh, can't do it. I just, I well, get. How, in this you're you're not a precision you, I, combat person. Yeah, I mean, I probably could be if I spent the, the, a huge amount of time, but yeah. there's just something about these types of games that I it just, it's not the kind of system that I want right. to spend that much time. Like, it's not really a system. It's just get good at well, these very precise yeah. like actions. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, it's just a different kind of system. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny because I, I think you and I both, there are certain kinds of like twitchier games that we are actually good at. That's true. Like there are definitely games that you and I are, uh, we're probably sort of similar in the games we're good at. Not entirely. I guess we have like first person stuff or, or, or even yeah. like, I'm yeah. way better at first person stuff. Yeah. Just more. Yeah. But like yeah. I, Chris, I'll watch you clean up at something like Downwell. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which yeah. like is very, is, is different. Like the rhythm that you have to get into is very different, but that is a game that is entirely about, you know, quick, yeah. quick reaction stuff. I mean, I'm, not saying, true. I'm not saying that it's the same. No, but no, just I know, I know. I mean, like, it just reveals how tiny, tiny different, like games are such an unusual form in that, yeah. you know, just a tiny difference can end up, you can be someone who's like, quote, good at video games, but there can be a kind of video game where you just, you just don't have that facility. You could be like, a quote, video game master. Yeah. Like Downwell and Spelunky both have this sort of navigational element where it's there's a lot of reflexes and quick thinking, but it is about like reacting to world state. Whereas Hyperlight Drifter has this like bullets coming at you from all directions and like you need to exactly hit the sword strike at the exact time. And there are cases where in the game where like you have a quarter second of delay after executing a certain action and then you can't do the thing in that amount of time and that's like a that's like a fighting game yeah style of you know what skill and that's, that's not true. that's just not what i'm as good at but i've never thing, been good at fighting games yeah for that reason nor, yeah right nor i yeah it's yeah but some people totally are like some people can just internalize all of those different rules um but then there are other games that are like nightmarishly fast you know where the the screen is basically just constantly scrolling and i can tell and like you know, I'm often really good at those games. It's weird because there's nothing that really suggests why I, I don't, I mean, maybe there is, but like, I don't know why that's the case. Um, but yeah, this game is really hard for me. It's, and it's strange because it's, it's a game that gets so much of its, so much of what Hyperlight Drifter has to offer is like sensory stuff. It's the mm -hmm. way it looks and the music and the way it sounds and the way it feels but that stuff is just kind of inaccessible to you if you don't also like hit this totally separate track of just being really good at the kind of combat that it has. Yeah. Which is a, which is an odd thing because usually not usually, but I think often games or for that matter like any other things like you know that that tr trade on like a high level of aesthetic um novelty or engagement you because it has such a specific aesthetic. It's like, okay, this is not going, this is not like a lowest common denominator visual style. Like you have to have a certain, like just enjoy a certain kind of thing to like how this looks and sounds and feels. So you'd think like you'd want that to then be able to hit the biggest cross section of that potentially aesthetically receptive audience as you can. Yep. Um, but they don't care about that apparently. No. And in these days that's probably fine. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. there's such an audience for really difficult games of this type that that's, you know, probably a say a relatively safe bet, but I was surprised. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably also a situation where there are people who are like, I'm like, there are surely tons of people who end up playing this game and are put off by how hard it is, but there are probably also people who see the aesthetics and then find out that they actually like the mm -hmm. fact that it's, super hard I'm sure for sure like yeah. i think um ori in the blind forest is a game that i think about mm. with that because that game is oh, just hard as yeah. fuck ori in the blind yeah. forest is like meat boy mm -hmm. like style precision platforming but then it's just on a huge metroid map uh but it just also just wrecks you all the time except that it looks like a cute disney cartoon right. or something where you're like an yeah. anime yeah uh, you know, it looks like an anime it doesn't you know it looks like, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's got yeah. sort of like miyazaki-esque backgrounds right. and these yeah, sort of like yeah. beautiful looking animal characters mm -hmm. who just get fucking owned all the time you are yeah. owned all the time um 
and I suspect that probably has that same thing where people will look at it uh, and be sort of totally drawn into the into the sort of yeah. tone and aesthetic of it, and then either completely bounce off it or discover that it's what they liked and didn't know it, or the completely insane tiny sliver of people who are like, what I've always wanted is a game that looks like a Miyazaki movie, but also is a brutal, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. crazy, like, multi-move platformer right. or whatever, you know. Or you have people who, I mean, I imagine that these days, especially, you know, just because of how accessible indie games are in a way that didn't used to be, there's probably a decent chunk of people who are just below a certain age, you know, like kids who are attracted to a game like that because of how it looks and are just young enough that they can literally play anything because their brain is just like learn what it is and will form itself into whatever shape is required to play that. I also wonder with things like Ori and, uh, Hyperlight Drifter, how much watching a super competent person on a stream impacts how this game is sold and how it's perceived by people. Um, I, I thought about that because there are, I'm sure there are a lot of like, combos and techniques that I'm just told that it would make the game way easier. And for you me. know that if you streamed it, don't know what your Twitch are. chat would be people telling you exactly yeah. how to play it better. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that probably goes the other way as well. And there's, yeah. you know, yeah. watch a hyper Lord. Yeah. Do you think you're going to try Like, are you, did you bounce off this nigger? Do you think you're going to try it more? I'll, I'll, I'll probably give it another go. Yeah. Um, for that reason, because I think, you know, probably once you unlock the, you know, once you see the matrix code, it's probably fine, right? right? You know, what I mean, once maybe I'll try and find an FAQ. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Game well, facts. Watch a video tutorial. Yeah, yeah. The new, the new FAQ. Yeah. <laughs> Man, video tutorials. Ugh. It's, it's really. It's <laughs> airline really, food. Ugh. No, it's like it's really <laughs> annoying these days how frequently you just want to find like what you what must be like a two sentence explanation of like oh yeah I'm using Photoshop and I need to do this or like I'm using Adobe Audition. Hey guys, like, today I'm going to tell you about the gradient yeah. tool. Oh man. Oh my god, and it's like a seven minute video of some like asshole with a huge amount of background noise, like just all like it's it's so hard to just find an explanation of how to do a thing in a piece of software that isn't on YouTube. Man. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> FAQs don't monetize, Chris. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's actually, that is actually the answer, I suppose, because I remember, like, you'll see just a really dumb explanation of a really simple thing on a YouTube video, but then it'll have, like, half a million views. Yeah. And everyone in the comments is like, oh, thank God, I finally know how to do this. It's like, Yeah, man, and that guy's like, sweet, half a million yep. ads exposed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Half the time, the actual instruction is in the description of the video and not the video itself. Yeah, but not the key part that you need. Right, yeah. 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 That one, where they get to that one checkbox. Well, now that, now that YouTube has, allows you to play videos on 2x speed, it's a good tip. For speeding through those garbage things. Anyway, reader mail. <laughs> now that our now that your Rudy podcast segment. listener has a two x speed, <laughs> you can speed through this garbage podcast to get to the end of it. I get, suppose get to the reader yeah. mail, the part you're, you're all here for. Yep, uh, here it is. Daniel Gallagher writes, "Hey, my name is Danny Gallagher." Got into your podcast recently, and I love it. Spending a lot of time trying not to bust out laughing on the tube in London. This is an answer to another reader's question, and perhaps a different way to you guys answering it. Someone asked you recently how telemetry and metrics and and analytics are used in games, and although you provided some great answers that I enjoyed, you answered more from a AAA console and indie background, I think, and I can give you insight from another angle. The evil world of mobile, and myself as a small-time indie dev with experience from mobile. By the way, this is the email from the guy who wrote in with his Squarespace website. Uh, This is the full email. Firstly, I worked at MindCandy for a long time, and we used analytics to an insane degree. At the start of the project, we would already be using analytics to decide on project names, icons, and key art. For instance, we'd put around 50 icons on Facebook as click-through ads. We would take the data according to which one got the most clicks from our target demographic. I think for the project I was on, this was middle-aged women aiming for classic match-three play. We would take the winner and do some more concepts and put them up again and whittle them down again and then iterate and repeat. This would go on until we had an icon we felt got clicked a lot by our target audience. Man, that is that is crazy. Yeah. When we began making the game, we would have things that would tell us exactly how long people looked at screens and how many times they touched certain parts of the screens or buttons. If people quit on certain screens or menus or closed them too quickly to read our money-grabbing advertisements, we would do something like move the close button to a place on the screen that was more difficult to get to or less obvious. 
We had obvious other things like how many people quit on load screens. And if we got too big a drop on load screens, there was an American guy in a suit who knew nothing about games who would shout at us and tell us to get those fucking times down. Yep. We had numbers for levels and drop off on certain levels. And we had an actual in-bit editor extension in Unity where we could jump to a certain level and look through the history of matches played on it, all recorded 100%, and press play and it would build the level and show us exactly every single one of their moves. And we could tweak the game to make it easier or harder depending on how far people were getting before spending money or quitting before spending money. Anyway, apart from all that, I have a bit of a love for these sorts of things now, so I'll end with an anecdote. When I last did Ludum Dare, I made a roguelike game called The Deep, now out on iOS, and I put up test versions incrementally during Ludum Dare using some simple analytics like how far people got and where and how they died. By seeing this data, I could tweak it while I was actively doing the game jam. On day one, the play sessions were about 15 to 20 seconds. On day two, I got them up to 45 to 50 seconds, and on day three, they were nearing two minutes. This felt really rewarding because I was shaping the experience way more for players and less for my own desires. We all play games differently, and unless you have a big studio and a big team to test and test with friends and family, it can sometimes mean you make a game too difficult or weird or hard. Anyway, there are some things. Uh, Regards, Danny Gallagher. That's crazy yep yeah i've I always i've heard i'm sure we've all heard anecdotal stories about any one particular version of those things but hearing and you always sort of suspect that all that stuff is happening all i mean all all that stuff does happen all the time with all mobile companies that make yeah. big products like that but man holy shit yep man the going all the way to the point of like before there's even a game just putting up, I yeah. guess, just like dummy ads to see what icons people will click on. Holy shit! Yeah, that I, I would. It would never occur to me to do. It would never occur to me to do that. Like the the stuff about sort of just oh, do a you know heat map of where players died or like you know like all that that stuff responding to actual gameplay. Okay, yeah. I've never done but, that. Well, not those tools, but I get it. It's the equivalent of like box art testing in yeah. like a big publisher, I guess. Or yeah, or yeah, or yeah but it's it's like interesting to have that to done. The, it also feels though like, you know, have your level load and unload, have your save load system done early so that you can build a framework on top of that. This is like have your monetization strategy, user tracking, and metrics data on board beforehand yeah. so that you can mm. start building. So that's like it's a foundational element of of the game design process in a way that right. I think instead about, of I think that- about things like you're like gamepad input management or something right. like you know yeah 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 yep. Yeah, and yes, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't know if we have anything else to say about that because we don't know anything about it. That has nothing to do with any of our lives, <laughs> except that we are all manipulated by its results. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, because we all know that this happens in reality on everything online. Like, um, stories on websites uh, mm. often will serve two different headlines and A-B test headlines um, before determining what the best one is based on which one gets more pickup. Like, that that just ha- like all of this stuff just happens like Amazon will price things differently like just things just all of this shit is always going on all the time on the internet now like your life on the internet is just constantly being metricized and tested and tweaked according to just mass behavior much like this podcast exactly you're listening to the B version yes. of Man, we've uh, talked about doing that before multiple times we've <laughs> talked about the fact that our RSS feed is generated dynamically yeah. by the server so we could feed people variant episodes in, I don't know in a how, given what week. we would do with that information though <laughs> yeah we're sorry not, for everyone that is why we fail sophisticated enough to, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. sorry for everyone who keeps getting the shitty episode of Idle Thumbs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a way better one yeah, yeah. just luck of the draw yeah um, okay so Calix Renault writes after the story of Nick Brecken's Stardew Valley disaster, I was reminded of times when I've had my most authentic reaction to games result in the total destruction of the game. In Oblivion, I had to steal everything, whether it had resale value or not. If I recall correctly, you couldn't sell things that were worthless, so I had all these bowls and paintbrushes, so many paintbrushes, and after I got my first house in Anvil, I had a place to dump it all. Then I started to want a nice house, so I cleaned it up and moved it all outside to what was supposed to be a temporary staging area on the porch. Eventually, the house was nice, and the pile outside was too formidable, so I did something else. Over time, it became the place where I dumped all the valueless detritus I'd accrued over the course of adventuring until the frame rate got wrecked and eventually the entire city of Anvil refused to load because of the mess I made. I did a similar thing in Stalker, which made my which made the mistake of allowing me to drag bodies, having those bodies stack on top of each other, and then giving me a giant hole in the ground where, of course, I had to throw all the enemies I'd killed in the nearby town. But dragging bodies into a giant hole just out of time, just outside of town, is slow work. 
and the A-Life system would just keep spawning traveling squads who would come across my clearly insane activities and try to bring me to justice, so then I had more bodies. Eventually, this too would crash within moments of loading my save, because every single one of those bodies in the pit had to physicalize around each other and had grown into an ever-writhing mass that I imagine hell to look like. Oh my god, the, like crazy, the crazy... Yeah, it's, yeah, it is a rat king of, of, like, of, <laughs> of jiggling ragdoll Weird, yeah. corpses. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> or the time I got so into the Chocobo Rigid minigame. body rat king. Yeah, I was trying to... <laughs> Rigid body rat king. Yeah. Uh, or the time I got so into the Chocobo minigames in Final Fantasy VII that when I tr- finally tried to go back to the mission, I had no idea where I'd left off or what I was supposed to do. I still don't know. Sometimes it works out, though. Like when I stealthily killed everyone... Ab- aboard the ferry level in Hitman Blood Money and tossed them overboard, finally leaving it to be a ghost ship to pull into the harbor with no explanation. The newspaper didn't consider this noteworthy, simply (laughs) reporting that my target had been reported missing. I guess somebody wanted the story buried, but I knew. Cheers, (laughs) Calix. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I downloaded Blood Money, but I uh, remembered that the first mission is just... The worst mission and oh didn't, really didn't make it through that oh, that's a bummer terrible is that the like, although the the pier is that yeah yeah it's just sort of the tutorial thing it did though point out to me that the new hitman is actually pretty fucking good like oh, yeah? i my memory of blood money is that it's the perfect hitman but it's pretty crufty in many ways and going from this one to blood money i was like eh, yeah that's no, cool. they did a pretty good job with yeah. with this you know weird mess of craziness well speaking of hitman i think we actually got a uh i don't remember if we got an email or not but there were some um forum posts about uh hitman Mm. on the idle on the idle thumbs forums um in response to our uh our discussion last week so i didn't have those pulled up because um they weren't reader mail but since you brought up hitman maybe i'll actually go and find that on the forums what was it what was that Last week or the week before that? I think we talked about it both. Weeks, I think it was, yeah. Most recently last week. Yeah. Yeah. Did Nick, Nick, did you read the thread, the Idle Thumbs forum thread? No, this I didn't see it. No. Um, well, okay. So the Effin Crow writes, this was the first reply to um, last week's um, Idle Thumbs episode on the forums. The Effin Crow writes, on Hitman Talk, the events in the level seem to be a combination of real time and when you encounter them. Um, this can lead to some seams in the game showing. For example, in the Paris level, there's a woman at the party who is basically the woman Jake talks about, the fashion critic, the people of the show don't like. I knew she'd be there. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually found her too, yeah. She's long been critical of the people running this party. You can eavesdrop on a conversation she has with a friend who works with her and find out that they have some sort of mole who's been telling them things about what shady things your targets are up to. She talks about how she's going to use this information to blackmail the targets because her fashion magazine is faltering and she needs money to keep it going. At a later point in the level, Victor runs into this woman while strolling throughout the fashion show. She makes some threats about knowing what's going on and what activities the targets are really up to. Victor laughs it off and walks off, but when he does, he steps out of the party and goes to a corner of the garden to have a phone conversation with Dahlia, telling her they have a mole somewhere. The problem with this last scenario is that it seems to really only trigger when you see the confrontation happen. I've never seen Victor's target marker go out to the garden without me being close to trigger the conversation. This means it's possible Dolly is already dead when it triggers. Unfortunately, they didn't check for this, so instead of him trying to call her and she never picks up, he has a conversation with a dead woman. It's a weird thing for them not to catch because they pay attention to so many other details. For instance, at one stage, I was trying to take out a guard who was talking on his cell phone to another guard. I was too quick in choking him out, and then I raised an alarm because the guard on the other end of the phone heard his boss being choked out over the phone and came running. Um, Also, the idea of releasing levels from old games as a best of Hitman thing is something IO Interactive has a bit of a track record of doing. The third game in the series, Hitman Contracts, is halfway to this. Contracts had 12 levels in it, five of which were actually recreations of good levels from the first two games. That's cool. I heard people say that some promotional material for the new Hitman also included uh, up-resed allusions Mm. to Blood Money missions and other classic missions, so people think that it's going to show up as a pack at some point. Yeah. Um, one other clarification for the forums uh, from the forums. This is Cordios, also in the thread from last episode, writes, When Nick failed the mission, it was because he was playing an escalation mission instead of the main mission. Escalation missions have specific requirements for what you're wearing and how you killed a target, which is why you fail immediately for doing it wrong. Uh, this person adds, Most Hitman levels run without you. The Paris level will run till completion if you let it. 
There have been a few missions in previous games that will actually fail if you let them run long enough. There is a mission in Blood Money where you're tasked with taking out three agents of a competing assassination agency and saving a government official from them. If you don't stop the payment briefcase from getting to them, you have to move quickly to stop the assassination from happening. I'm pretty sure there are levels where targets would leave eventually if you let it run long enough. So, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. No, I, mean, I knew that was the case in Blood Money, but I, my, you know, I was interested whether they had done that with yeah. this game. It, the, my, my experience with the sort of like the actual level in um, Hitman Showstopper or whatever it's called is that it, you know, to the effing crow's point, like it, it mostly is like, you know, observation, you know, triggers the actual event, um, which is fine in most cases. But yeah, like you yeah. said, there are some loopholes. Man, I impersonated the um, the guy, like the fashion uh, icon, oh, like shit. Helmut or whatever. The actual model. Yeah, which is hilarious because, of course, they made him look basically like the hitman guy yeah, so that yep. when you impersonate him people are just like oh it's kind of like i mean yeah. all right fine um yeah they didn't really check for that either because i'm just really? walking around as this super famous guy following like just in the room with the other with the the you know the target who should know you know like his star like f- you know fashion dude and he doesn't say anything everybody else is like oh hey hey fashion man and that guy's just like completely ignores you i was just following him with a knife behind my back for like a half an hour <laughs> well he makes phone calls he wasn't like a oh, helmet why are you here yeah yeah he didn't say anything about it he didn't say oh it's you yeah <laughs> um yeah anyway it's a good game though nice yeah how do you think you accidentally played an escalation version of that mission? i have no idea well the menus are just insane yeah, it's yeah. impossible to tell what's going on i mean it's it's basically just the um it's the new way of doing a menu where it just sort of suggests what you should play next, right? So I probably just clicked a thing without right. realizing that's what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's just so much in that game that I still don't even like. I realized the other day that you can like unlock other weapons and things in those missions yeah. by doing stuff. I don't even know what you can do to do that, but yep. I know it's possible, I guess. Um, yep, they built a big old thing. Yep. <laughs> anyway. I'm excited to play more of it, though. It's good. Have they yeah. said when the next one is? This, like, later this month, I think. Okay. That's cool. Um, Hitman maybe. 2. Yeah. Nice. Hitman 2 2016. Yeah. Hitman oh. 2016 2. This is, this is pretty good for a final email. Uh, Brendan Hennessy writes... Mr. Payback and its ilk. Hey, Thumbs. In episode 255, Awkwardness and Harmony, Chris talks about the infamous audience-controlled film Mr. Payback and said, Mr. Payback. There's a reason it only happened once. In fact, the company behind that movie made three other interactive films in the same year. I'm Your Man, a dismal romantic action comedy about an informant who confuses a hapless everyman for her FBI contact. Ride for Your Life, a goofy sci-fi movie starring Adam West, where the protagonist has to win a bicycle race to save the Earth from aliens. And... (laughs) Bombmeister, which seems to have been a serious action movie about disarming a bunch of bombs in an old mansion. <laughs> Bombmeister. Uh, all four of these movies were total disasters and completely tanked. I'm Your Man somehow got a DVD release years later, but Bombmeister never even made it to theaters, and all copies of Ride for Your Life and Mr. Payback have been destroyed. <laughs> By the Bombmeister, but yeah. still at large. <laughs> Um, I've attached a bunch of videos so you can get a sense of what these movies were like, including a genuinely fascinating making of video from I'm your man. Best Brendan. I watched the I'm your man, like 10 minute behind the scenes making of, and it was really depressing. Yeah. Like people, the thing kept being like, yeah, just nobody knew what they were doing. And like, it was just, that's what made it so amazing to be on this set. (laughs) Like people just didn't know anything. Like the director was like learning about film for the first time. And like, and, and, and it was like, and it just sounded like a complete disaster. And then they'd be like, and anyway, like, you know, that's why it was so great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. It's the reason for something. Yeah. Probably. Oh man. Bombmeister. Yeah. Bombmeister. Man, that's so funny. I remember seeing ads for Mr. Payback on TV in the mid-90s, but I definitely never heard of any of the rest of these. No. No, you'd remember. Only 90s kids will remember Bombmeister. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for yeah. the podcast this week, probably. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Oh, I should mention... Um, 
is a dumb thing. It's not worth mentioning, really. But uh, <laughs> but you're gonna mention it. I'm still like I'm the bomb meister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you found. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm uh I'm still occasionally playing the odd game of that uh, NBA uh, oh, 2K16. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention that um, I realized the other day, uh, you know, I was I, I mentioned on the podcast that they they call you freak, which is short for frequency yeah. vibrations or whatever, because it's, there's a story component to this game. But there's also a secret menu where you can specify a secondary nickname, uh, one of which is the wizard. Uh, that's wait a pre-selected. That's nickname? a pre-selected <laughs> thing. So now. Uh, the commentators are calling me the wizard, oh. and also I traded myself to the Washington Wizards. So, so now it's just the wizard starting lineup. The wizard, it's, it's really good. Oh wow! Anyway, oh, man, that's great. I'd recommend anybody who's, who's the wizard owns that of weird the wizards. Game. Yeah, the yeah. wizards, wizards. Yep, wizards, wizard. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, well, now now we're done. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Idle Thumbs. If you liked us, please consider telling a friend or spreading word of our podcast on whatever your online communities are. It helps us out a lot. Um, it's, it's really the main way we have to spread the word. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Idle Thumbs. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Idle Thumbs. And uh, we have other podcasts on our, on our network, the Idle Thumbs Network at idlethumbs.net. Uh, the wizard, wizards, the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, including the very recently launched limited run series, Playscape LA, which is hosted by Teddy Deef, who is one of the developers of uh, Hyperlight Drifter, which we talked about. And he is doing a twice weekly um, interview show with people in the LA game scene. Um, he talked to Ashley Birch, the uh, voice actress. He talked to um most recently he talked to i think the guy behind hot pepper gaming i need to listen to this this episode because i've heard it's actually a really good one um uh i'm not sure who's going up next because his most recent episode was delayed by a day i think because of the post you know because hyperlight drifter came out the launch of hyperlight drifter yeah but it's really cool you can find it at idlethumbs.net slash playscape um goes up twice a week and it's really fun um idle weekend with rob zachney and danielle riendo is still uh, chugging along a really great podcast they had a re- i really enjoyed their most recent episode um this the week. let's play themed episode yeah yep about let's plays and game reviews and stuff and that's at idlethumbs.net slash idle weekend and uh, the idle book club featuring me and sarah argadale um will probably have its next we'll probably record the next episode about everything i never told you by celeste ing we'll probably record that this coming weekend so uh, look for that at uh, idlethumbs.net slash book club, I guess. Is that the URL? I'll tell you, host of the Idle Thumbs Network, what the URL of your own podcast is. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Uh, it is idlethumbs.net slash idlebookclub. Okay, there it is. Use the offer code THUMBS at checkout to save 10% off your free podcast. Yep. All right. All our shows are at idlethumbs.net slash shows. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.